Yeah, I have a strange relationship to live performance. It's it's a bit taboo uh, as a musician. To be honest, like I when I go see concerts, it's more like um, if it's really someone that I have been uh, interested in their work for a long time, or I'm or someone new, I'm, I'm that I have a you know a thing for their work. I, I will go out and see a concert, but in other um, dans les autres, fuck, I don't even know how to say that in English uh, or in French. Usually, I go there more to socialize and like just for the environment and all that. Like, it's strange. Like, my relationship to music is more based on the recording, which is very weird. Like, a lot of people don't get that, which is probably why I love electroacoustic music so much because it's medium based. Like, I basically music for me is about sculpting and organizing um, sound. Uh, this is not like a point of view that I um, want to apply to others. It's just for me, it's just the way I look at it. Like what I like, what turns me on is that side. So performance is not that important to me. And, you know, internet performance, like, I don't know, I haven't been attracted to it. I, I'm not interested in doing it and I haven't been watching any of it. scheduled we were gonna tour uh, the UK for like 10 12 dates I don't remember exactly like sometime at the end of uh, March that was obviously canceled right before the lockdown started happening everything got shifted uh, to potentially um, October dates but I'm really skeptical about that and also in the fall, we were going to tour again with uh, Animals of Distinction, which is uh, this uh, dance company by Dana Jengra. We've been working with her for the past three years. We just uh, played Australia. Fact Magazine just did a piece on her. And also when we played CTM, you know CTM in Berlin? They, uh, they filmed it. And uh, there's a video of that also running around somewhere on the, on the web.
that's been really good. We went to Australia with her. We were supposed to like tour in the fall. I don't think that's going to happen either. So yeah, like uh, the you know the music world right now <laughs> is uh, is the I think it's the last stuff that's going to go back to normal if that even happens. You know, it's like the least. It's the most complicated one. And and also there's going to be like a very precarious period where like. A transition into what the future might become is is going to be very precarious. Like how, if bars do reopen, are people going to go to see shows? Is there going to be a control on the amount of people that go to see shows? If there's a control on the amount of people that go to goes to see shows, then people aren't going to be making as much money. And like I don't know. Like I'm, you know, I don't I don't deal with that side of things. So my my uh, relation to it is pretty naive. But I, I find that it's going to be. It's gonna be. It's gonna kill a bunch of places for sure. Well, it's strange. Uh, it's been good on the creative side because it's given me a lot of free time I wasn't expecting. So I can actually like, uh, I've been I've been doing some stuff. I've been working on a new solo record uh, that's I'm doing really for my own pleasure. I don't even know if anybody's gonna put it out, you know. But I'm doing. It's like I need to make this record, and I'm doing it for fun, and it's really a blast. But apart from that, I've been having a lot of anxiety, having trouble sleeping, and uh, you know, it's a weird time to be uh, to be alive right now. I, I have this saying that I I, I say a lot: it's, "La réalité qui bascule dans le It's like the moment where reality falls into limbo, but it doesn't it doesn't work in English, like. In French, because basculer in French is like something, it, it's loaded. Like it, it usually means when something shifts negatively. It goes from one, you know, like uh, you can like say funny things and then it's 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 easily going to fall into like lewd or uh, it's a weird dance. But little Jurg Frey? <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I, I, I've only seen a bit and heard a bit of it because I don't actually play games myself. I used to when I was a kid. I don't know why that, it's a habit that I kicked at some point. Uh, but I have witnessed some of the work that they've done with spatialization, and it's fucking nuts. It's almost like electroacoustic music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and well, you know, when I was studying at the Conservatoire uh, in the past two years, at one point, uh, Louis Dufort brought one of the guys that works at Ubisoft to like uh, give a talk. For him, there's a there's a direct link. And also, like the, the thing that struck me is like being being in this world for like the past 20, 25 years, like seeing a lot of live music and, and seeing a lot of how the industry functions. Like a lot of what I used to, because when I was a kid, I used to love going to see shows. Like that, that was different. It changed at one point. At one point, I kind of became a bit blasé, maybe from performing so much and also from seeing how people idolize people. And, and seeing that it's such bullshit, like even if I understand to a certain extent that it's part of human nature to do something like that, it, it really rubs me the wrong way and I really don't like that stuff at all. And it's turned me off performance a lot and like going to see shows and... Well, you know, like I think something I should point out is that my first introduction to studio-based music was through Onland, Brian Eno's Onland. I discovered, I, you know, like I, I come, I also come from hardcore and punk, but I was, I was a reject and I was a weirdo, so I, I wouldn't really go to shows. I was too young to, and like I, I wouldn't trash it. But when I ended up starting to go to see shows, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mingle. You know, I was just like on the outside. But I loved, you know, um, SST records and all that stuff. But that led me to like Polvo and like weirder bands. And eventually, like, I started getting interested in like uh, abstract music, Can, Faust, and Noi, and all that shit, and the electroacoustic stuff. But at the same time, I was also a fan of Ryan Eno, and like On Land was like, wow, you can make music when you're not a musician. And I, I was obsessed with music. I was fucking crazy about it. The only thing I knew how to do was draw. Like that, I, that, was, that was the only thing I knew how to do. Uh, I was shitty at maths and everything else. Like, but drawing, I was good at. But I wasn't a musician and I fucking loved music. So Brian Eno opened that door for me. And through Brian Eno, I discovered the GRM and all that stuff Like a pre, at a pretty early age. Like I was probably like 18, 19. And at the time, you have to remember, there was no internet. You had to seek that shit out fucking bad. Like you had to like rent books in the library and you had to like find used records or like go to a CD, a CD place that was like uh, renting European imports. Like it was, it was, it was work. But that door, like Luc Ferrari in particular with his record, Eterozygot was like, he, he called it a musique concrète du pauvre. So people that have no means they make a music concrete because they go out with their like shitty little commercial recorder that they can buy at like a shopping center and they can record stuff. Like he consciously does that though. Like it's like, it's in the liner notes. Like he's like, he's got this like proactive punk rock thing, like where he's like saying people can be creative, you know? And that was like super important. So yeah, so that explains um, maybe a part of the studio fascination but also just the fucking sounds right like i just love the way things sound when you don't have to crank them at a volume where like they start like mixing too much together like i find that live setting a live setting often stuff is so loud that you don't really hear detail anymore in 
you have you have a different relationship to it if you're listening to it on headphones or like in your apartment or whatever. Like I just love medium-based music, basically. electroacoustic music and I loved crop rock and like experimental rock so like Fly Pan Am started in that kind of environment but at the time I didn't think I could ever like go to school and study electroacoustic music because I didn't know how to play an instrument basically when I started in Fly Pan Am I learned how to play guitar and a year and a half later I joined Godspeed I didn't really know how to play that well I was practicing every day like an hour and a half like scales and shit, I'm not fucking with you. Like, like from the point where like Fly Pan Am started, I was I started learning guitar, but like on my own. Like so, it's a weird fucked up way of playing. But I can do what I want. Like I can, it, it does the job. So you know, like I guess when I decided to go to the conservatory uh, in 2016, it's because I already knew Louis. And he, he was a fan of Le Revelateur. And he he just suggested it. He's like, why don't you why don't you just come and study? And I'm like, wow, I've always wanted to do that, but I never thought I could. And he's like, just just apply, just just try it out. And I did. And and in a way, this is gonna sound corny, but it was kind of like a dream. I was like doing something that I never thought I could do because I'm, I'm so about like self being self-taught and not being part of like an academic structure and like everything. I'm more interested in like chaotic, like self-made potentials than like something that's dictated and you follow it through. Um, you know, like, you know what I like about the old GRM stuff is that you can hear that these people were making it up. There was no school of thought. I mean, Chaffin had a school of thought, like conceptually, but sound-wise, they were making this shit up. Like they, and and you know, that's this is why like most genres are interesting when they start because people don't know what the fuck they're doing, and then there's this weird energy of potential that gets crystallized into an idea eventually that people fetishize, and that's what I don't like about when people get comfortable with genres and this is why I love mixing and mashing things all the fucking time so that there's a there's an uncanny valley like aspect where like things you're like oh this sounds familiar but it's off this is what we do with Fly Pan Am like a lot of people I see some reviews people are like angry that there's like these vocals or like they think that the songs don't make sense and we don't know how to compose because they go into directions that are not that don't make sense this is what we want to do, you know, this is intentional.
funny because it went really well. Like it was, it was amazing. It, I had a really good time, a really good experience. Even if sometimes I did find some of my teachers a bit, um, not one track mind, but they they had a way of seeing. They had yeah, they had a way of seeing things and certain things outside of that didn't fit. But that was more like if we were having a conversation, for example, about David Tudor or like the Sonic Arts Union, and for them, that's not music. And like, I'm like, I'm like, no, you know, like this fucking American versus European like thing, I don't give a shit about it. Like to me, it's all interesting and it's all different ways of making electronic or electroacoustic or experimental music. So to me, there's no debate. It's, it's just all interesting. To give them a bit of the benefit of the doubt, I think my teachers were more like they don't really like improvisation. So for them, like something like David Tudor is just too free. You know, they're not gonna like Derek Bailey either. Like they they just don't really like uh, improvisation. And I can I can appreciate that. I can respect that. It's a question of aesthetics or like principle or whatever. I just don't relate to it. So that that was you know we would have like d debates about that, but. Artistically speaking, like it, creatively speaking, it was very easy for me because I knew why I was there. Because I've made so much music, like I'm not going there to be told how to make music. I'm going there to have an interesting conversation with people who have access to tools and ways of creating that I couldn't really come up with on my own. And they have also experience. So there's an interesting conversation happening which fed into my work and gave me the chance to dive into approaching stuff in a way differently than what I normally do. Instead of challenging them, I was more interested in challenging myself. So I actually gave in, uh, not because they pressured me. Like when I went there, I decided I'm going to make straight electroacoustic music. Uh, of course, it's still going to sound like me. There's going to be concerns, considerations that normally other people don't really explore in that world. Like, I'm a huge fan of Bernard Gunter. I don't know if you're familiar with him. So I, I, I included a lot of that in, in the work that I was doing. And, and at first, my teachers were a bit, you know, not, they weren't like very, they, they were, they didn't know what to make out of it. But then I, you know, told them about Luigi Nono and all that. And I, I sold it to them, but but apart from that, like it, I was more interested in challenging myself because in a way I felt like this kind of like I'm I'm doing my work on my own all the time. It's always on my terms, and it's like at the end of the day, it felt like very self like involved, and and that's also why at the same time I started doing improvisation again because I wanted to do stuff where and also Fly Pan Am. All of this is the same era. When all of that stuff started, it's around 2015, 2016, and I was, I had been doing Le Revelatar for eight years, and I wanted to do something where there was outside influence, where I was going to be challenged by the alterity of others, you know? Like, I, I didn't want to be, I was tired of being like the boss. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna approach things under, your perspective, and it was great.
I really learned a lot about composition. Like it wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't go there. Like I, I know, I knew how to compose to a certain extent, but they helped me fine tune it a lot because the thing that was great is like my, my Louis, my main teacher, when I was interested in exploring something, if I had an idea in mind, he was totally open to it. Like he didn't care what it was, as long as in a way it translated into what I was doing. So this is where the conversation was interesting. If I had an idea and I was doing something and it wasn't, he couldn't hear it in what I was doing, he would tell me. And he would push me in the direction of making sure that I make it more, I manifest more, I push it more. Like, and, and that's basically, that's basically what the conversation was. So it was, it was really like, it, it was just, my teacher wasn't, Louis wasn't trying to give me a direction, he was just trying to be more, he was helping me make my direction clearer. You know, people often think that that's like somebody meddling with your uh, aesthetic or your identity or your sense of self or whatever, but I don't see things that simply. Like, I think it's a feedback. Like, you don't have to take the criticism in. Like, if you feel it doesn't, like, because that happened with Louis. Like, sometimes he would say certain things and I'm like, no, that, no, that, no, that, 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 that's... And you can, you can be the judge of that at the end of the day. But the thing is, like, when you do involve somebody else in the creative process that you trust, uh, the thing that's great is that it just gives you perspective. You don't have to take what they say. It just gives you perspective. It's, it's awesome. I fucking love it. I just finished a new piece, six minutes long. Like I'm working because of this quarantine thing. Like I decided to start a new record. I wasn't expecting to do that. I haven't been interested in working on my own for years, uh, but I've been very inspired. Anyways, all of this to say that I, I just finished the piece and I already sent it off to like three of my friends. I've never done that. I was like, hey, I just did this. Like, I'm just curious to see what you think because this is perspective, you know? Like, it's this, I, I, need, I need that perspective. I mean, not necessarily every every style of hip hop, but, but a lot of it is is like a kind of like melodic song based musical chant, you know? Because it's it's like I've often seen like I did a record a few years ago under the name Edgar Yeshao in 2005, which was all sampled material. Like I wanted to do a plunderphonic record that did not sound like a plunderphonic record. I wanted, and my approach to it was 
you know, people go out and record stuff. They do field recordings and they make music concrete out of that. Not music concrete, but I mean like uh, electroacoustic compositions out of that. And I was like, I want to use culture as a field, and I'm going to, I'm going to do field recordings of culture. So I wanted to make a, a, re a record based on 20th century classical music, but it was going to be an electroacoustic record. So for me, sample, uh, sample hip hop, is 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 similar. Like even if it's not the same uh, conscious, uh, the same concept, it's 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 taking material, raw material, whether it's cultural or it's other kind of, of, of sounds and, and morphing them in the same way that we do it in electroacoustic music. Like there's a parallel completely. It's just more melodic and rhythmical. It's, 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 it's nostalgic. I think nostal I'm not anti-nostalgia if nostalgia is a relationship to potential. Because if you, memory can be used as something that can help you build something new. But most people want to live inside a fake reality based on the past. That to me is problematic because that's not a relationship to reality or like potential. It's like an escapist uh, tendency. Zappa Digital, Zappa Analog. Sounds the same to me. You call yourself a musician? No, I call myself an interpreter of sound. Top secret experiment? My parents gave us their old records to sell at the flea market, but now Trent wants to keep them. It's the warmth of vinyl, man. I'm telling you, it's a richer tone. You're tuned to the radio. <laughs> I wondered why Zappa was selling fish sticks. It's very strange. It's it's very strange because it feels there's moments where I feel where everything feels apocalyptic to me, and then there's moments where this is what I was trying to say earlier, like where I realize I'm in, I'm in a totally escapist bubble right now. There's something. It's almost like my life is just as normal as it was before. I shift from one angle to the next, oddly. It's just, you know, reality just breaks like that. There's it's just one little thing that triggers it and it just shifts. Penetrated through these corridors, and I went through that last 
segment where I went through these dark serpentines. I passed through that corridor where they sat, where they are. And when you penetrate to the Most High God, you will believe you're mad. You will believe you've gone insane. But I tell you, if you follow the secret window and you die to the ego nature, you will penetrate the darkness. Oh yes, there is many a man or woman that's been put in the same asylum, but this has happened to them. And they're sitting there today, people think they're insane, but they saw something that's real. And they see it when they're on drugs. The only thing is they see it not through the light of God. understanding of God, because when you see the face of God, you will die, and there will be nothing left in you except the God-man, the God-woman, the heavenly man, the heavenly woman, the heavenly child. There'll be prayer on your lips day of night. There'll be a song of jubilee waiting for your king. There will be nothing you will look, be looking for in this world, excepting for your God. This is all a dream, a dream in death. So I went through that with you. I encountered hell and the great serpentines of the highest order. And I went through that when I showed you Charlie. Lambert, he was the first to the monarch of this place. I don't know what he's done in this matter. What's up, Lindy? Don't forget to pay me. C'est pas un peu weird que quelqu'un ait posé une caméra d'être là où ce que mon père est mort. La seule chose que je peux décrire, c'est. When I was uh, in my 20s, when I was. When, when I first started Fly Pan Am, and I met Alexandre Saint Onge, who was one of my closest friends, like, uh, I was also at the time really interested in free improv. I was basically just sucking everything up. Like I was, I, I just loved everything. So I was into Incus records and like Darren Bailey and Evan Parker and all that stuff. And also free jazz, I loved free jazz. Um, but so I wanted to explore that in, in my 20s and I did with guitar and with electronics. I, I was also really into voice crack. I don't know if you know that band. It's dual, yeah, voice crack. Uh, but after a while, in when I hit my 30s, all of a sudden I wanted to just do stuff that was composed. So I kind of like left that aside. And uh, I never actually recorded any of the stuff in my 20s. And for a while I was like not interested in improv. And after doing so much music on my own with Le Revelateur for like eight years, like I said earlier, I wanted it just, it just didn't make sense to me. I was always a fan of Jim O'Rourke. I don't know if that's going to make sense, but I loved how he could go from one thing to the other and all of it was good. It wasn't, it, it didn't feel like some self-indulging, like, uh, twit that thinks he can do 
things and he's just, you know, somebody that has like a privilege to do things and no, like Jurok had like this very broad perspective on the possibilities of music. Like at the time, you got to remember, like this ship was pretty rare. Like having someone that was in Gastrodel Soul, played with Derek Bailey, uh, released electroacoustic records on John Zorn's label, uh, did drone pieces on Extreme Records. Like I was like, what the fuck is this guy, man? I want to be like him, you know? Like I want like so that kind of I think. And also doing Brise Glass, you know. And when he joined Sonic Youth, I was I was stoked about that. I was like, this is amazing. And he was producing Stereo Loud. I was like, this is so complex. <laughs> He's like this complex, yeah. And Wilco, and having a success story with that, producing Tony Conrad and Faust. I know, it's nuts. Yeah. So you know, like he definitely. Um, molded uh, a way of looking at things in my mind like and that it's something that's always been very very important also you know it's a funny thing is like before Jim work I was super interested in, in collage in Cegep I went into visual arts and I was super interested in collage and I was super interested in Jean-Luc Godard and like I loved I guess I've always been attracted to I love pop art when I was younger. I still do. I fuck the haters. Like I love I love things that are it's that familiarity. It's a tension between familiarity and the oddity like of, of it, like the context or whatever. Like when things feel out of place or when there's an uncanny valley side to things. So for me, loving things from very different ranges creates that that weird tension, it's tension. So it's it's not, you can't just passively consume something because you're gonna be triggered in a way. You're gonna be like, fuck, there's something wrong here. Like, I, I, I you know, that's why I love Faust so much when I discovered that. I was like, what? How does this rock song go into this fucking mess that lasts 10 minutes too long? And like, I just, yeah, so, I've always wanted to maintain that also as a kind of relationship to reality. Like, I, I want to be constantly challenged and I don't want to be comfortable, which also probably explains why I'm so fucking anxious all the time. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, ch challenging yourself is important to me. Like, and, and that means going to the extreme. Like, I'm a huge fan of Hollywood movies. You know, like, I, I at some point, like, when I was working on uh, Le Révélateur with Sabrina, I got super interested in hyper-realism because I find it such a complex uh, subject. Uh, and, you know, that means as much, like, theme parks, like Disneyland and shit like that, as, like, CGI and, like, uh, virtual reality. Like, everything that makes you forget that something is not really what it is. Like, I find that very fascinating for many different reasons. Um, because I find that it's, it's, it's complicated. It's, we have an escapist tendency because the world is so harsh, but at the same time, it's a way of controlling us. I mean, not a way of controlling us, but it's, it's, it, is, it does mean that people are passive. And that's related to my fascination for hyperrealism because I'm actually fascinated when hyperrealism shows when there's an uncanny valley because the uncanny valley is basically the same thing as what you're saying. Not exactly, but it means that the person 
doesn't totally believe in the illusion that's there in that moment. There's like something that breaks apart. And I, I am obsessed with that. Like that, that to me is really something that I, I'm always trying to channel in some way, whether it's through lyrics or like right now, the work, the, the stuff that I'm doing is like, I'm basically, do you know, you know the Cocteau Twins? Robin Guthrie from the Cocteau Twins? I'm trying to make a record that sounds like Robin Guthrie produced by Christian Zavizzi from the GRM. So basically, like, I'm using all these tropes that I fucking love because I grew up with shoegaze also. Like, after hardcore, I fell into Lush and My Bloody Valentine. And I've been going back to that. Like, I fucking love this shit so much. It's, it's emotional, like, in the sense that it's so much part of my identity. And so I'm exploring it, but I don't want to do a fetish record, you know? So it's like, I'm using these tropes and I'm breaking them down in a good off way. Like, you know, like revealing like that, like basically every note I'm playing, I'm sampling. So if I'm playing a chord and I want it to be arpeggiated, I'm sampling every note and I'm playing it on a sequencer and then I'm fucking with that. So nothing is real. So again, it's the connection to hyperrealism. It sounds like I'm playing guitar, but I'm playing samples of me playing guitar. So it's not exactly that. But then that gets like destroyed in an electroacoustic way on top of that. So it's super melodic, but it's fucking noisy and it's broken up and weird. When we started Fly Pan Am, like at the beginning, I also, I was obsessed. I'm sure you, you know Robert Hampson. Oh my God, Maine. Maine is one of my all time favorite bands. And when I went back to Maine, when Fly Pan Am started again in 2015, post-rock has been something that's been a very frustrating term for me because when Fly Pan Am started, the term post-rock was super exciting because at the time when Simon Reynolds wrote about it in The Wire, it was more about bands that were using rock instruments or rock idioms to make new music. So it was people like Disco Inferno, um, main sampling their guitar, and you you think you're listening to guitar, but you're you're listening to like virtual guitar, right? Because it's a sample. Um, so it's like this like post rock music, and like bands like Sea Feel and uh, even My Bloody Valentine, who were sampling like their guitar feedback and stuff. And there's a track Glider by My Bloody Valentine. If you hear like the 10 minute version, it's just this fucking crazy pre finesse almost with like, with like warped tones, it's just insane. Uh, anyways, when Godspeed, whom I love, became popular in Mogwai and all that, like post-rock started becoming instrumental rock. And that to me is like not very exciting. Not that the music isn't good, I'm not criticizing music, I'm just saying like the, the word post-rock just lost its meaning to me. And yeah, so when I went back to Fly Pan Am, I wanted to kind of uh, explore that idea again. So I started sampling my guitar. I didn't want, initially I didn't want to play guitar live. I wanted to play samples that sounded like guitar. Again, it's that kind of uncanny valley thing. But I couldn't live because I had to sing. <laughs> like all the samples are on my keys and like learning all of that and playing would have been ridiculous. So I play guitar live, <clears throat> but on the record, all the guitar is processed and you don't hear me playing, you don't hear a take anywhere. It's all like samples. 
when I say samples, they're also like granulated and fucked up, like beyond recognition. Uh, but all of this to say that I don't use MIDI to trigger stuff with my guitar. It's basically the opposite. Like I just use guitar as the basic sound, and then I go from there. And I use MIDI to trigger that. also use a modular synth <clears throat> so I basically I combine the sound of uh, modular synth with guitar and I granulate that result so that I have a weird timbre that's a hybrid timbre with Sabrina as Revelator the Revelator was exclusively synthesizer based I have this I have this like kind of like one track mind when I like start working on something it's not going to diverge from that so like when I was doing the pieces at the Conservatoire, I wanted to have all the pieces have only two different kinds of source material. So the first track, Duel, is synthesizer and found objects. And then there's another track, Jamais de Vloir, is harpsichord and found objects. Then Où s'inscrit tout est indéterminé is organ, acoustic organ and synthesizer. And then the last piece is found objects and digital synthesis, which was the first time I used that. I always use modular synths normally. Going to the conservatory, I realized the timbre. And that's when you use granulation in a certain way. What it does is it just breaks the sound apart and accumulates it. But you're not processing it in the sense that you're, you're not putting a bit degrader or like a chorus. Timbre is the same. It's just like... But the sound is actually the same sound as the organ. It's just a thing, basically, that's transformed. I think for me, it matters when I do it, because I'm fascinated by the objects I'm using. Like, I've always been fascinated with modular synths. When I was a kid, like, my dad had a Tomita record, and I remember being traumatized by the front cover because it was so surreal and weird. It gave me nightmares. But the back cover had, like, this, this dude with glasses and this, these walls of synths, and I was like, what are these machines, man? And the music is made with these machines, and that fostered like a fascination for, for sci-fi and like for, for synths that I've always had, that I totally dug into when I was doing Le Revelator. Like, Le Revelator was like, I was like, I turned, I almost turned into like a gear fetishist, which is so, so weird. <laughs> But finally, that's over. <laughs> Thank thankfully, that's over that phase. It's not cheap. Mine is like, it's. I've been buying it for years. You know, I buy I buy stuff sporadically, but I'm fucking happy I have it. Like I can generate stuff with it, like like that on the fly. I know it pretty well now. And also, you know, like the thing with the modular synth scene and all that is like I think people think that just having a modular is enough, but nah. To me, having a modular is it's just something that helps you generate sound, but then you still have to make music from it. But 
that's a complicated conversation. Like stuff like David Tudor doesn't fall into that. You know what I mean? Like earlier areas of exploration to me don't fall into that. I just feel there's a kind of like laziness now to, I mean, if it's just a hobby, it's fine too. But sometimes I hear like quite popular music that is made with modulars and I'm not hearing any work in it. And it's, I've, I'm, I find it politically complicated because these people, these people are in positions of power in a way, like the power, there's a power dynamic. Uh, and they're just, it's like the Wizard of Oz to me. Like. Funnily enough, the last record is all in English. The title is French, but all the lyrics that I wrote are in English. Because at one point I had to admit to myself that uh, I, just, I just like English better. Like when, when I started Le Révélateur, it just, it, because I'm so obsessed with sci-fi and virtual reality and in a sense, pop culture, it just English just feels more uh, it just feels more appropriate like French often feels a bit too um, not noble but like there's something about it that's like old school it feel it feels very old school to me whereas like I feel English is is more of the time and more more uh, more catchy it's just it's just it the word like it's abstract what I'm trying to say. I don't know how to describe this. It's just that I, I can I can have a you know a song title like um, Dead Mall Guts. You know, where in French les intestins des centres d'achat. You know, it just it sounds descriptive, whereas in French in English it sounds like a almost like a brand. And I and I like that. And I love that because I'm playing with those things. I'm playing with like the seduction of false realities. I'm playing with like the seduction of capitalism and like, and I want it to be catchy, but like kind of uncanny valley at the same time. You know, there's nothing attractive about a, a sentence like dead mall guts, dead mall guts. And then you have like fucking George A. Romero stuff. Over. I'm also a huge horror movie fan, so. And that's a new thing. Like the funny thing is that all my 20s, I was like anti anything that was an artsy. I was all about Godard and Tony and, and Bergman and Tarkovsky, which I still fucking adore all of those, like Marguerite Zuras. Uh, but as I grew older, I started liking a lot more things. I started like broadening my scope and like, all of it is a human manifestation. There's something interesting about all of it. Like you can you can learn things about humanity through all of these things. Even the most shitty movie, it's it's still gonna it's still a document. You know, uh, modern day Hollywood like uh, Marvel or uh, Brad Pitt. I watch all of that. I love that shit. <laughs> Thank you.
actually really love constraints. Uh, of course, if I'm setting them, it's better. <laughs> In, in a sense, you know, but I, I love constraints because they help, they help you focus. And they, when, when, you, when I have focus, at least, <clears throat> I feel that's where I can find something poetic in what I'm focused on. You know, instead of, if I, I just have a broad perspective, I'm just going to get lost in everything. But if I'm honing in on like something, then I start to look at, look at it under all of these different um, angles. La réalité qui bascule dans le néant would be something more akin to when reality breaks down. You know, like for example, when when you see a beheading, a real one, or when you see somebody getting stoned, or when you see like some shit, like because when when these when I saw these images for the first time in my life, they were not horror movies. Holy fuck, man! It fucked me up. Like, it fucked me up big time. Like, it really, really, like, did something to me. You can know that it's happening. You know what you've heard about it a million times, and then you see it, and all of a sudden, I could not see reality the same way. And that kind of extreme event, like, changed the way I relate to reality, whatever the fuck that is. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. But I think it's horrible because it shows that something is functioning without you deciding that it does. And also, how did it get there? How did it, like, like I'm not, I don't want to necessarily go into this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm basically, principally an atheist, but I don't know what the fuck is reality and I'll even when I die I won't necessarily know it it doesn't matter to me like I don't really have a strong belief but it's just a personal relationship to things but I think that there's this existential thing that happens when we see guts because we're like it looks like it's made like a robot you know it looks like something I understand why people believe in God basically is what I'm saying like I understand why people believe that we were made <laughs> and I think there's this existential feeling like anxiety that arises when we're exposed to these things because that question arises unconsciously I think I don't know I think oh of course no totally absolutely I mean for sure horror also functions on the level of empathy you know you're always projecting yourself like I just watched Cabin in the Woods again this uh, this weekend. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's fucking incredible. It's kind of a comedy that turns into a weird existential nightmare, but it's still a comedy. But it's it's very much about like illusions and like something that is outside of the people that are being hunted. Like they don't understand, but. When the horror kicks in, it takes like 50 minutes until it kicks in. It comes out of fucking nowhere. Hello. I'm thinking this thing doesn't take credit cards. Time says closed. We're looking for, uh, what's it called? Tillerman Road. I have to get you there. Getting back. I should be there. And reality breaks down. Like, it, 
it, it, it's jarring. Like you're like, you're not expecting it at all. And I find that super interesting because it's, to me, that's, that's almost like reality. When like something like what's happening right now, you know, like, and, and we're in, we're in a bubble in a sense too, you know, there's people that are fighting for their lives right now. And there's people that are fighting to help save these lives that are also dying. When they go to fucking work, they could die. It's fucking insane. I mean, it's 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 crazy, but we're not really exposed to that, right? except when we're reading about it. But hey, here I am making my little guitar record while this shit is happening. It's so fucking weird. Thank you. 